What's up? Welcome back to the Who's Satoshi podcast. This episode is on crypto anarchy. We're going to jump right into it. Blake, what is crypto anarchy? And are you a crypto anarchist? I'm glad you asked both questions. So crypto anarchism, reading off Wikipedia, the source, is a political ideology focusing on protection of privacy, political freedom, and economic freedom, the adherents of which use cryptographic software for confidentiality and security while sending and receiving information over computer networks. So basically anarchy plus computers, and they believe in total anonymity, total freedom of speech, and total freedom of trade, meaning a person should be able to trade with whoever they want to, say whatever they want and remain anonymous while using computers, phones, etc. I certainly agree with those three things. I think that you should be able to have total anonymity. I believe that people have a fundamental right to privacy. Certainly total freedom of speech and total freedom of trade. I guess where maybe you have to add some caveats is who builds the roads. Well, we can address that in a second. (laughs) The total freedom of speech. So I do think that there's perhaps an exception for direct credible threats of violence. Like if someone makes says, I'm going to kill you and has a gun, shouldn't you be able to shoot them to like preempt violence? So I guess the question would be, can speech ever be, should there ever be any sort of banned speech? I mean, I think we can think of a few scenarios. I actually wouldn't use that one. Really? But probably like making a threat. And we got to be clear, we're talking about speech in person, really. Making a threat about like a fire in a movie theater. Isn't that one? A common Mm -hmm. one. A bomb on a plane. Like there are some that are dangerous, but all of those are in person. Hmm. So I think beyond that, I mean, that's very limited. Interesting. Number of cases. It's not like, you know, we can come up with a hundred thousand of those. Yeah. I mean, I, I think you would come up with some very limited examples, but you know, I mean, I think it may be a few enough examples that you should just have total freedom of speech. Especially if you're talking about in the cyber world, because in the cyber world, there is no reason to quell someone's speech for anything. There is no danger you can cause. Well, what if someone hacked the movie theater and then put in a little soundbite that says, oh, there's a fire. Get out. Escape. I think they're breaking other laws, so you don't need to worry about the freedom of speech. Ah. Right? Like, you know, you can get them for hacking in the movie theater. (laughs) (laughs) Which is possible, of course. (laughs) Right. That kind of hacking, I think he goes in with an axe to like the projector room and changes what's being displayed. Is he an insomniac? <laughs> Does he obsess over which IKEA furniture to buy? I, I don't know. I'm, I'm missing this reference, I think. Does he have a split personality and one of them's trying to. American Psycho. <laughs> respect <laughs> very close fight club dude oh. you don't remember that piece no. he has insomnia and he works at the movie theater splices in images in the movies oh no i don't remember the messaging great no. reference though i had yeah. no idea well never mind i am jack's utter sense of despair all right so f- total freedom of trade do you think that that breaks down I don't know what you mean by breaks down, but yeah, I think it's something that's an eventuality. In the future, we're going to be able to, as individuals, have free trade without any concerns about who's able to essentially leech off of the exchange, right? Government or, or other middlemen or whoever it is, unless they're providing some sort of value, right? Like transportation of a good from one location to another or uh, whatever. If they're actually providing something of value, sure. But as far as leeches being able to control or prevent free trade, I don't think it's uh, going to happen. Well, I guess is the question, do you think total freedom to trade is desirable as a principle? 
Oh, absolutely. You don't think there should be any restrictions put on that? No. So if I am in my basement making a nuke, you should be able to buy it. Dude, if you know how to make a nuke, I think you should be allowed to sell a nuke. Roger that. I don't think you know how to make a nuke. I don't. There you go. I cannot emphasize this enough for any federal (laughs) entities that could be listening. I do not know how to do that. (laughs) They're checking out your your recent Google searches now, so... (laughs) It's like how to make shepherd's pie. (laughs) 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 What type of dog is best? All right. So this always gets us to the question. So that was just kind of a principles check. Okay. Just kind of gauging where you're at. So whenever you talk about libertarianism, crypto anarchism, basically freedom maximalists in general, the counterpoint that always comes up is... Okay, well, who's going to... Say it, dude. Who's? It pains me to say this. Who's going to build the roads? Who's going to build the roads? (laughs) Dude, I hate, I hate hearing that question. And actually, I think it just like a little part of me dies inside when I hear that question. I don't know if I hate it. I just die a little bit. But it also tells me like, okay, I don't need to waste my time having a conversation with this person. Okay, I'm going to go out too on a, far gone. I'm going to go out on a really thin branch right now. Who will actually build them? <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry that I've troubled you. You just wanted to kill a little part of me, dude. Just a little bit. Well, yeah. you succeeded. Yeah, I think the answer that I have is I have no idea. That doesn't mean that no one will build the roads. Like just because I don't know how the roads will be built doesn't mean that they won't be built. And I think the best examples I can point to of this would be other things that have come about in an extremely logical, organized, structured fashion that were not initially planned by some central authority or figure, right? And Milton Friedman actually talked about this in one of his, uh, I was watching a YouTube video of him, Is Capitalism Humane? And he brought this point up. So he was talking about like language, the English language, any language, I guess. There was no authority that said, hey, these are the words we're going to use and this is what they all mean and everyone's going to use this and that's that. Instead, you had a bunch of individuals interacting with one another in like a free market of language. And they would come up with words for items, tools, a hammer or whatever, and they would use it. And if the word was useful, they would continue to use it and it would spread to others and others would use it. And so it would be adopted into the language. And if a word was not useful or people didn't understand it, it was confusing, whatever else, it didn't have utility, it didn't have value, then it was naturally forgotten and never used again. Like hath and thou. Exactly like those words, dude. I mean, the point is, like, you look at how intricate or detailed, structured, logical all languages are, and they came about from a free market system that had no central coordination. It was just whatever had the most utility or the most value thrived and took place or took its place in, you know, the hierarchy of words or whatever. And over time, we've created this elaborate, the most elaborate, incredible system. And if you imagine what that would look like if we had no language and we had some central authority telling us words and whatever else, I mean, we wouldn't be able to communicate anything, I don't think. I think the central language system, whatever it came up with, would suck. Uh, There would be a lot of acronyms, that's for sure. Oh, God, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) To words that no longer exist because they lost utility. Let me pick up What does the acronym stand for? Uh, Well, no one uses the words. No one knows what they are anymore. (laughs) 
Let me pick up my brush, tooth, three inch length, purple. <laughs> you don't need to state the commas? I don't think so. Oh, okay. But yeah, that's one example. I mean, I think another example is you look at like education and, or at least what education was at some point in time where academics could conduct research on things they were interested in within their field, publish it. It would be sent across the world. Other people who are academic and interested or even not academic and interested can read it, redo the experiment on their own, publish their findings confirm or deny what that person said, posit their own theory. And like no one's forced to focus on one specific thing or another. And we've ended up creating all of our scientific knowledge, right? Like up to this point. And somewhere, I don't know how long ago, right? The past 50 years, 100 years, 200 years, I don't know. We've gotten these institutions which are originally implemented to like empower and help scientists. Like, oh, hey, we're going to create this institute so that we can combine and, and organize and come together as as this type of scientist, whatever, you know, biological, uh, whatever scientist it is, and it'll help us. And it probably is helpful for the first year, maybe two. And then uh, switch flips, and the organization or the entity, the institute, whatever it is, becomes its own, like, agent and gets its own goals and now, like, uses a commanding arm to force individuals to do what it wants. And so you've exited, like, a free market economy. Anyways, all that to say, those are two examples of creating something extremely complicated, much more complicated than a road, in a way just because it's something that's needed by by society. Like society needed a language, humans needed to be able to communicate, and one developed in a natural free market way just from its actual value that it provided. And I think if you go the you know anarchic route, you're going to have anyone and everyone able to come up with solutions and innovate solutions to whatever problem you can think of. So I don't need to have the answer to who's going to build the roads. Like someone will have the answer. And if it doesn't work, then no one's going to use it. If it's not valuable, it doesn't have utility, then we're not going to go with person number one's solution. We're going to go with person number two's. You know, it's funny. I was just thinking about it. The status collectivist person that would argue against you, they would be like, well, it's the Department of Roads responsibility to build it. But all they know is the name of the department. They don't know how to build the road. They're just saying, we'll have a department that's going to do that. And I'm saying the same thing. I'm just saying we don't need to pre-organize it and name it the Department of Roads. You're saying it steal would money from people. It would naturally emerge. It would naturally out of, emerge. Out of the order. Yeah. I mean, it's the same, it's a similar, I mean, it's the same idea behind capitalism in general that in the absence of that, there will be people who you want things, you have insatiable desires, right? And there will be people that make products or services that satisfy those, you know, build houses, right. build roller coaster parks. And the people who do it the rooms. best are the ones that thrive and create the best things for everyone to benefit from and use. And the people who create crappy ones, no one remembers. So in your vision of a crypto anarchic world, what does the government control? What government? Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I don't think you need a government. At all. You can say I'm off the deep end on this. I think we've come a long way and, you know, true anarchy's never really been tried. <laughs> <laughs> So you don't think it would just descend into the purge? No, I don't. Yeah, this is an interesting question, dude, right? A lot of people, I think, kind of assume that you'd have this scenario where if there's no laws, everyone's going around killing everyone and stealing from everyone. I mean, who are you going to kill, dude, if, if there's no government? Hopefully. Telling you that you can't, you're not allowed to kill. Hopefully and nobody. And you'll be thrown in jail. Really? No one? That's weird. Ask me now. Ask me. I'm scared too. But, <laughs> but okay. Who are you going to kill? <laughs> 
No one, dude. No one. That doesn't make any sense. Ooh, there's no law. Now I can finally fulfill my urge. What are we all, Dexter? You know, running around as serial killers, but we can't kill because the law says we can't kill? It doesn't make any sense to me. Do you ever wonder, you know, whatever the percentage is, it's like 1% serial killers or 0.1% serial killers. This is kind of an aside, but do you ever wonder, you know, I've met, you know, thousands of people throughout my life. You probably met like a handful of serial killers and you just missed them. Like you just didn't didn't see it. Yeah, probably. But anyway, most people, are, are good people is what you're saying. So you would say like human nature fundamentally is not is not going to fall apart like that. Dude, no, I'm not. That's no, I'm not saying that human beings are good people at their heart. I think I mean you get into a lot of yeah weird territory with that. I think people will do what they're incentivized to do. What is the incentive if there's no law that stops you from killing people? And if you decide you're going to go around and kill everyone like very quickly in this world with no government, the people around are going to be like, wow, yeah, Tom killed. Jeff, Joe, you know, Jim and and Fred. He might kill us next. He's just killing everyone around here. Let's go kill him so he doesn't. Right. So you're saying the reciprocity. Believe it or not, there are natural incentives... to do or not do things in a free market, right? That will that will quell that kind of behavior. Everyone knows, you know, you shouldn't go around killing people unless, yeah, you want it to be reciprocated and you're going to get murked. Like that's not, no one's going to do that. Well, someone's going to do it. It's going to happen, but it's going to happen no matter what. Whether there's a law, just because there's a law that says you're not allowed to kill someone, we still have, you know, people committing murder. There's some truth to that, yeah. Do you think, so let's imagine a scenario, the world falls apart, we're in crypto anarchy. Governments have basically dissolved. You have you know, maybe a house, family, you don't have any concern about your property rights or your safety. And obviously you're going to have like a gun or something to defend yourself, right? Acknowledge that, which is fine against maybe a burglar or something else. But don't you think at scale, it changes things? I think there's a lot of different hypothetical scenarios we can go into where there's no more government and we're in this crypto anarchy and, and what does it look like, right? And the scenario I feel like you're describing is the government's collapsed People, it sounds like, are struggling to find food, shelter, like everything that they've saved in their life is now gone and worthless, the fake money, whatever. And so you've got like bandits roaming around. And again, let's let's be clear, we're attributing this to the fact that there's no government, not to the fact that everyone is extremely desperate for food and water and shelter, right? So in a world where people are desperate enough to make the calculation and say, hey, it's worth it for me to be a bandit, roam around with guns with a few of my buddies and rob people even though I might get shot because I need food that desperately and our our whole system is broken like yeah you've got something to worry about but that is not a symptom of anarchy that is a symptom of a previous system that failed aka mm. whatever government was in place that failed so you're saying we've screwed the system up so much that that we're recreating a very violent I mean what we're really asking is like what does the state of nature look like I think are we getting to that point sure at steady state right right and I think it's two different visions. If you go into a type of anarchy right now, I mean, the problem is the system's so screwed. Yeah, a lot of people who are dependent on taxpayer money to pay them their pensions or for their government work where they're not really doing any work or whatever the case may be, or these massive private companies where all their income comes from government subsidy or government contracting, whatever, you're going you're gonna to have issues. You're going to have people who are struggling. And the thing is, they're struggling because they don't do anything that's actually valuable <laughs> other than like leech from taxpayer money. And so, yes, you're going to have people out there who say, well, I've been screwed over and I need food and I have no way to find it. And so you've got this very dystopian, it would turn into a dystopian anarchic system, I think, because you've got no government and 
now you've got people that do nothing and, and it's awful. If you can imagine, I think if we scale it down to like a group of 50 people. Okay. And all 50 of these people live geographically in the same area. And let's assume somehow that they got a plot of land that's not a part of any country. So they're their own, they're sovereign individuals. They're sovereign only to themselves. And they interact and communicate with the other people, the other hundred people in the community of their own free will, or they don't, and they don't interact with anyone else. Either way, they are creating a small circular economy, whatever it is, where they've got the essentials and they can do whatever they want. Okay. I think that that type of view of anarchy would thrive, right? And I mean, it's it's easy to do when you isolate it to, you know, just 50 people or 100 people, because you can take out all these variables that people will attribute to being caused by anarchy, when in fact, it's caused by a legacy system, like a failing government. So if you're able to say, I mean, what do you think about that kind of society? Do you think that 50 people or 100 people could live without a government, so in anarchy? And how do you think it would look? Do you think that people in that society would still be like, oh, you know what, I think I'm incentivized to go rob from my neighbor? I don't. I think they're disincentivized. Do you think that they're incentivized to kill? I don't. Especially if everyone in that society has a gun. All 100 people have a gun. So everyone is pretty much on equal footing of who's going to kill who. I don't see it, dude. No, I, I hear you. I think that problems disappear at the very small scale. I think that there's problems at the larger scale. And that's, what what does that look like? That looks like, let's say, like the U.S. falling apart. And then... Let's just use a country example. Like Mexico says, okay, well, we're going to grab half of Texas and New Mexico and Arizona. So I guess the issue is it's almost like an arms race where other people will band together into some sort of alliance. Because it's an arms race of like you trying to stack up more people on your side and other people trying to stack up more people on their side, you end up with city-state conflict. And then you end up with state conflict. Then you end up with empires. And now we're at basically continents fighting each other. Yeah, I mean, I I don't really see it. So let's just scale back the example to what you just mentioned. So Mexico comes in and takes over Tennessee or whatever after the United States has crumbled. Yeah, they parachute into Tennessee and Mexico takes Tennessee. <laughs> okay, fine. They take Texas, dude. Texas is too big and we're going to get into a whole spiel of All things. All right, New Mexico. Okay, New Mexico. They're like, no, you're old Mexico now. Dude, the people of New Mexico, if they're all crypto anarchists... I mean, what does it matter that Mexico says that they belong to Mexico? What do you what, mean? What does what it matter? What effect does that have on the people in New Mexico? I mean, it only matters as much as they can actually project force to force them into Mexico. Sure, right. So, okay, are they paying taxes to Mexico? Sure. I mean, they roll in and they're saying, okay, this right, is Right, and I would say Mexico. that's not, I mean, crypto anarchy. Right, like, <laughs> crypto well, anarchy, the whole, hold on, dude. The whole idea behind crypto anarchy is you're using cryptographic tools to thwart the state. And so when the government comes in and says, hey, we're taxing you, it's like, oh, well, everyone here is on Bitcoin and you can't tax us. Now, <laughs> like, great. Okay, where's my tenth of a Bitcoin? Right. And maybe they're doing that. And I imagine everyone would like pull out a gun and say, hey, like, no, we we don't agree to your governance. And you're saying that would be a war. There would be a war between Mexico and New Mexico. No, would- I'm saying there could be a lack of a war or there could be a small conflict. But what I'm saying is you can say tomorrow that everything falls apart and it's a crypto anarchic system with no governmental edicts whatsoever. Day two, people start to self-organize and they start to form communities, yeah. maybe like their city. And you're willing to surrender some rights within your city and say, yeah, I'm definitely not going to kill anyone. And I expect either this police force or this group of people or the bricklayer family or whatever to enforce that. Does that make sense? Yeah. I mean, I think that's fine if people want to do that of their own free will. 
And I, I mean, I have no problem with that. I just think as long as you're able to opt out the second that you realize that it's not a functioning system or it's become corrupt as it inevitably will or whatever else, as long as you can opt out, I mean, you're going to be back at crypto anarchy. I mean, can you opt out of any country in the world right now? Right now, no. So, you, I mean, I I'm agree with your statement. Like, I think one of the missing things in the social contract or the, you know, law of the land, the constitution or whatever else is the ability to like define your terms to leave. So like if states could say if they had to agree every five years or whatever to be part of the states and then they could just leave and that was accepted, that would be different. Same with a county within a state and uh, maybe a town or even someone's own house within that. I guess what I'm saying is we have a couple hundred examples, over a hundred examples of different political institutions in this in the world. I don't think any of them subscribe to that. And I think there's a reason for that. Yeah, I agree they don't subscribe to it. You're saying it's going to be possible now with crypto anarchy though. Yeah, it's becoming more and more possible, I think. I mean, we go back to the Mexico, New Mexico example. Like there is a reason that New Mex or that Mexico won't invade New Mexico. If we all say, yeah, no thanks, we don't want your governance. It's because they can't gain anything from it, except for the land, unless there's some valuable resources on that land, or it's connected to some water. So there's nothing to gain from invading and conquering New Mexico, especially when you're not able to take the people's money, because they've got a way to prevent you from getting the money. Even if you kill them all, you don't have the money. Like you have disincentivized command and conquer of, of nations, and you're re-empowering individuals by doing that. We are slowly over time, and with advances in technology, making crypto anarchy possible. I agree, probably, I mean, that's why it's called crypto anarchy, not anarchy. Anarchy wasn't possible before, because of a lot of the points I think you're bringing up. Hmm. It's becoming more and more possible as we circumvent, number one, the incentives that individuals or governments have, and number two, their ability to actually project power or force over an individual. So there's less and less returns from violence over time. Yeah, absolutely. So do you think, because a lot of people's vision of crypto anarchy, you know, the most out there visions is like, there's no nations, maybe there are small city states and citadels and so forth. Other than that, almost everything's privately held, major transportation, everything's private. And within those, people generally talk about like some sort of insurance or protection agency or something like that, that people would still sign up for to protect their life. Do you think that we will still see, because a lot of these things, they focus on security, like physical security. And as we move towards, if we were to move, and as we move towards a stateless type system, do you think that instead of being regionally aligned, like through space, like we are right now, it'll be a service that you sign up for or something like that? Yeah, like I mean, dissolving. I don't think everyone's going to have to sign up for a service, but I can see services existing that provide security. And I can see some people buying essentially insurance or whatever you want to call it in case they get murked that <laughs> this company will go out and, and kill someone who, who did it or try and find them or whatever the case is. But again, like the ability to opt out of that or just carry your own gun. I mean, if you want to buy that service, you can. If right. you don't want to buy that service, you don't have to. Do you think that power is more distributed now? Like it's getting more distributed over time? to individuals. Yeah. Yeah, I think I absolutely think so. I mean, that just yeah, hand in hand with like technological advancements. I mean, it's the same thing that cypherpunks pretty much think and believe is that all this tech is empowering individuals more and more. And sure, you can say, you know, an individual will never have a stealth bomber or a nuke or whatever else. But whoa, let's not get too pessimistic. 
at the at the end of the day, you don't like what does an individual need with those things? And that's my business. If one individual has it, like what are they able to do to other? Uh, I just don't. It, I don't know. I don't see. There's no value in having those things for individuals at an individual level. Like it doesn't give you power over another individual. What are you going to jump in your stealth bomber and probably don't know how to fly it? <laughs> so this is all held up <laughs> by the idea that the stealth bomber is going to be hard to fly. <laughs> It's not all held up by that, dude. It's just held up by the fact that, like, the cost in order to to coerce one individual by using violence to make him do what you want is not worth it because it's become more and more difficult. Hmm. Yeah, that's interesting. What about the flip side? It's more easy to extort or threaten people, you know, like a heart attack gun or some sort of drone assassination, right? Like it's easier than ever to like precisely conduct violence against an individual at any one time. You don't think that that could potentially lead to like Dude, I the think it's easier it? to do that in like a government state in a state of anarchy it's not easy to do that in a government state it's very easy and who is it easy who is it easy for it's easy for the government to do it hmm. to the individual who they're supposed to supposedly serving and protecting that's my take yeah you definitely need to finish the sovereign individual it has a lot of these same themes thanks dude for calling me out for still not having finished the book i said i was gonna sorry i mean i'm I glad you gonna... you read the sovereign individual <laughs> It's only been like nine months, dude. Dude, the other thing I'd love to tackle is kind of like what I see as a straw man for people who argue against anarchy, right? So we talked about the roads already, but... And I, I think it's a differing viewpoint on like what the state of nature is for the anarchy to exist. And this kind of goes back to what I was talking about when I say, you know, okay, do we have a failed state and everyone is starving and there's no food, there's no shelter. And so it's like an awful world. And now you're implementing crypto anarchy. What happens? Aren't you afraid of a group of bandits coming and robbing you in your home? Yes, I am. So I think the the state of nature question kind of like clarifies what scenario we're looking at. And I think you've got two different viewpoints of it, right? You've got, correct me if I'm wrong here, you've got Hobbes who says that it's brutish, dark, evil. Close, nasty, brutish, and short. Yeah, that was it. I almost said nasty, British, and short, (laughs) which is even worse. That's a synonym, yeah. (laughs) You know, when I read something like that or hear, you know, Hobbes describe it like that, I imagine like the failed state scenario or this world where everyone's running around and there are no incentives in place because maybe people need food and no one can get food or it's a very different world, right? Whereas if you look at a different state of nature where, and even actually before before we move on even looking at the difference in a state of nature of back like in time so with no tech no technology state of nature as man is implemented on on earth with spears maybe that's all cavemen we have times. cavemen yeah shout out i don't want to live in those times with anarchy because people are hungry yeah well and, and i'm and gonna really run into, fit what stops me from running into like conan the barbarian dude i don't want to take my chances is this just because you're small or is it because i would say a medium medium <laughs> large <laughs> I'm just kidding. No, I mean, I think it's clear to say that like in a state of nature of caveman times, a lot of people are going to die. And I'll concede that point. Now let's not do a straw man argument and say, okay, what's the state of nature of current times? So we have current technology. We all have access to the internet. You can communicate with anyone in the world instantly, nearly instantly. You can send money nearly instantly anywhere in the world. There are systems established already, not government systems, but there's people out there who farm. There's people out there who... Like, everything exists that we need today and talk about, okay, what does it look like in that state of nature where we all have the technology 
that we're afforded today, but there's no government. Right. You're saying as we get more technology in abundance, there's less likelihood or propensity towards violence. Right. Everyone's incentivized to be good actors. Because we've got a better gig. Right. Collect. Yeah. I hear that. And you've got a better gig by cooperating with everyone because everyone is equally empowered, right? Like everyone now is holding a gun or could be holding a gun. They 3D And so now if Conan the Barbarian comes up to me, like I have a gun. So we're on equal terms. Well, you're not equal terms anymore. You could, I mean, he's just Conan the Barbarian with like a spear and you've got a gun. No, no, no. He can have a gun too. It's He's in modern times. That's the state of nature we're in. Mm. So I just teleported Conan to the <laughs> modern day. <laughs> a really buff librarian. <laughs> so do you think that people will own land? What about like private property? Do you think that there will just be like a universal, just like we converge on the English language, do you think we'll converge on, okay, well, this is the database for private property and you can sell and everything's like marked in here? Yeah, I pretty much think that's how it's going to happen. I mean, the problem with that is like at some point you have to have a start, like you have to have a genesis block or whatever you want to call it, where you say, okay, these people own these plots of land. And sure, it's coming from like the fiat system where I say, well, I purchased this with US dollars and oh, I purchased this with you know whatever and it's like well that's fake or i've got the deed to this land from the u.s government like okay that's fake but you have to have some starting place yeah and i think if you say okay we're gonna reset deeds mean nothing everyone get ready get set go You have a problem. Right. The best way is probably just to carry over from the legacy system. Okay, hey, this is who owns what. Instead of the government tracking it, we're storing it on this this blockchain, this ledger. And if you want to trade your land or whatever, you can, you know, we'll update the ledger and you can make that transaction. And I mean, people will still buy and sell land, right? For money. If the price is right, they'll sell it. So I don't see any, I mean, the government doesn't protect private property. Government makes it so there's no private property. Any property tax, you're paying rent on the land. Well, it's like the slow drain of property, right? Versus the risk of having it taken. And I think that's a common... Yeah, I think that's a common... Who's going to take the land? Who's going to take the land? Ranging band of more slightly more competent crypto anarchists? Yeah, I mean, maybe, dude. I don't see it. If they take the land, everyone around you is going to realize like, wow, these guys aren't trustworthy. We we shouldn't give them food. We should like, we can organize and kill them. All the incentives are against people doing that. You're saying that like goodwilled people will naturally come together and punish the bad actors bad actors yeah i mean even if they end up outsourcing it to some security company like okay but i don't see a world where people are doing that like there's too many incentives not to do that individuals are too empowered to protect themselves interesting yeah i think also throughout time one thing that normally gets discounted is clearly the world's moved safer and safer over time just as we've progressed i also think that there's even ignoring whatever cryptographic advancements we've made even ignoring that i think that there's less and less returns to violence over time because there's more cameras and publicity and everything else so any sort of violence is obvious and recordable versus in the past when it could be covered up and i think both in like individual contexts there's all these video cameras around and records and phone records of where you were and so forth but then also in like a political and a conflict context used to i'm sure wars got fought 
spot where it was like, <laughs> oh yeah, someone uh, was misbehaving in Northern Africa. And so we sent battalions over there and quashed the rebellion or the Philippines. And we sent <laughs> ships over and it was the Spanish-American War and we brought justice to the Philippines or whatever. And I think during all of those times, there was no 15-year-old in the crowd with a video camera that was ultimately saying to the world what was actually going on. And I think a lot of what's been going on in the past 15, 20, maybe even longer, you know, since Vietnam or so, so forth is like those old patterns of state on state behavior no longer are beneficial because people see that type of activity for what it is. Yeah. And not producing the outcome that it pretends to be producing. Yeah, no, I, I agree 100%. So you're starting to sound more and more like a crypto anarchist. I don't know. I mean, I can definitely get to the night watchman state, which is basically very 1776 thinking where we have a state that has treasury justice, defense, and uh, relax. Sorry. And state, but it's just a tiny, tiny government. And it's mostly just to, let's say, protect private property or personal security. The issue that I have is I think that there's, if there's no government, then there's a void. And that gets filled with someone that controls the force. Not in the Star Wars sense, but in <laughs> in the gun sense. Right. I mean, I, yeah, I guess I think that, uh, I don't know if you can call it a society, but a group of individuals that are empowered with similar weapons, weaponry, like negation that right like why do gangs rule and it's because they're the ones rolling around with uzis if everyone's got an uzi i mean the gang is just willing to kill you because they have less to lose i i guess maybe i don't know hmm. why would a gang a gang does it because they know that you probably don't have uzis they know that they're the muscle in town if every individual is equally empowered but there's nothing to keep everybody equally empowered. So like what's Except to, to ensure everyone has... I mean, well, that's when it comes back to technology, right? So when we talk about everyone having access to cryptography, everyone having access to money that can't be taken from them, even over their dead body. So Bitcoin. You talk about everyone having access to guns and not just like a little pea shooter, but like a... A sizable gun. A sizable gun. Everyone's got access. And yes, right? Like for anyone that's out there and says, oh, well, we need gun control. Otherwise, people are going to die from guns. Like, yes, people will die. In anarchy. But let's be clear, people are dying now. People will die, period, no matter what. And just because people will die doesn't, like, it's still a better system. As long as fewer people are dying, people are not incentivized to go around killing everyone because there's a greater threat to themselves if they do it. Here's my main counterpoint. I've been thinking as you were talking. If you're in a you know, small village or whatever, anarchy starts, it's day one of anarchy, okay? You're probably gonna go to your neighbors and be like, hey, this shit's pretty crazy. Let's not kill each other, anybody else in the village, and let's make sure people from outside don't come in and kill us. We can all agree to that. That's something we want. Okay. Everybody in the village agrees. Okay. Everybody in the county is going to agree with that. And you end up basically- Everyone in the world. Say it, dude. Everyone in the world is going to agree to it. Well, not necessarily. Uh, sure. Yeah. I think you face some issues with like language barriers or like, you know- In modern age? With the internet? With- I mean, not necessarily. I'm just saying like, it's more likely to break out between dissimilar groups that agree. are okay, agree near that. each other. Yeah. Right. Just okay. I'm with you. Same. So we have people that are agreeing. Yeah, this is our mutual defense pack. Let's call it that. Our militia defense pack. And I think you just end up with, albeit you restart and start from a smaller scale, but you end up with some sort of semblance of a government anyway, because most people would opt into that. And there's also no way to enforce the fact that it has to remain anarchic. So let's say that you're in that village. You agree to that. Okay. Ten years later, they're starting to collect a 
tax and you say you don't want to do that. So they say, well, you're going to pay the tax or else you're going to face the consequences. What are the consequences? Maybe jail. you can't sell your house. Maybe they put a lien against your place. Maybe they throw you in jail. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, well, you're back to tyranny and I would, I would kill whoever was doing that to me. <laughs> I mean, that's a threat to my existence. I'm going to be thrown in jail. <laughs> Dude, that is happening land. to you right now. I know. I agree. But we, well, we're talking about in, you know, in the, in a nice, lovely <laughs> future, future utopia where. And someone ruined Like it. it's not the case. And someone ruining it. The point is like, dude, when it's happening to everyone at the same time as, you know, and they're born into it. So they're a baby and it's happening to them. Like they're enslaved from babyhood. I guess infancy would be the word. It's a little bit different than if okay, we're all grown men and women or whatever. And the government says, hey, yeah, this is what we're going to start doing. I can be like, no, I'm not doing that. You guys can do that. I am not doing that. And other people, I guarantee you, will say, yeah, you know what? I'm, I'm not doing that either. And we're either going to go to war over it, quote unquote war, right? And uh, what is it going to be, 20 people on 20 people? Uh, depending on the scale we're talking about here. Or it's just not going to happen. That's what I see. To your other point where, you, you know, you think that people are just going to group together and it's going to be, you know, America versus China all over again. No, I'm not saying but not that's with exactly governments. it. Sure, okay, whatever. Whatever ethnicities, whatever groups, culturally, whatever it happens to be, America, Canada, whatever it ends up looking like, okay? Do you want to describe it then? No, I, I mean, I don't have a specific Okay, you understand what I'm saying, though. Yeah. Whatever the grouping looks like, maybe that's how it would turn out right now. I think in the very near future, we're going to be past that. It's not going to be us versus them. I like, can imagine being told that our government is going to, we're going to war with Russia right now. There's a lot of people that would say, oh yeah, you know, screw Russia. They hate us. They want to, you know, they want to conquer the world and they're evil, blah, 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 whatever. I'm going to say like, Nadia, I don't, I don't have a problem with the Russians, the individual Russians. I talk to them on Twitter. I talk to them <laughs> online. I have no issue with the Russians. What are we doing? My government has an issue with the Russian government. Let's be clear about what I just said, dude. My government has an issue with the Russian government. I have no issue with the Russian individual. Like, dude, crypto anarchy solves these problems. I don't see the world that you see where I'm going to say, oh, I'm afraid of the Russians invading. I'm not afraid of the Russians invading. I'm afraid of my government and I'm afraid of the Russian government, but the individual Russians, I am not afraid of. And I don't see them saying, oh, we're afraid of the individual Americans. And so we're going to form a Russian government that enslaves us again. It just doesn't make sense, dude. I mean, I wouldn't say that that makes sense either. I don't Good. think that they're going to jump on boats and out of their okay. own collective Well, whatever world. one is neighboring us geographically, I think the point still stands either way, right? I mean, I just think warfare is a lot smaller. I mean, the whole crypto anarchy thing, yeah, I think you'll still have conflict. I think it'll just be smaller. You have smaller principalities or states or city-state type governments rather than what we have right now. Right. I mean, and the other question is like, what are they fighting for? Resources. What is the benefit of war, right? And it NFTs. Would be, it would be resources. It would be <laughs> not NFTs. It would be like ports. Water. That are valuable for trade. I don't know what else it would be. Probably it. That's it. That's it. Well, okay, other valuable resource. That's it. So what do you see as the most likely scenario? I mean, do you see financially the US and world falling apart, the state structure of the world falling apart in the next 10, 20 years? Absolutely 20 years, dude. I mean, I think it's going to be pretty ugly. I would love to say that we're going to go into the state of nature I described where we all have the tech that I talked about, you know, today's technology and, and it's a seamless transition into crypto anarchy. Instead, I think 
think it is going to be very abrupt, violent, brutish. British. British, also dark, short. No, actually, probably long. Well, our lives will be short, but the period it'll last for will be long. Hmm. But yeah, you think I think that within the next 20 years? Yeah, I think so. You don't? I mean, I think it's a possibility. I think it, I think the money's going to collapse, dude. What happens when the money collapses? That's really what we're asking here. We are asking that. And if the government or whatever comes up with some solution, what are the chances that it's good enough to calm people down? Well, I only know one solution that would calm people down. Me too. But dude, that'll rile a lot of people up. And then how do we cover pensions? How do we cover everything that's paid for by the fake tax money? How they're like, dude, we're in a mess. We're in a huge mess. And maybe the answer is all the people that are on the pensions die and everyone else owns Bitcoin and you've, and I don't mean die from being shot in the head, dude. I mean, die from old age. Stop making that face. Um, <laughs> some psychopath. <laughs> like the problem kind of just goes away on its own. Like we push the problem back long enough. So maybe like 50 more years, 40 more years, somehow we're like limping along. And then by that time, there's not many people that are living just off the pension because everyone's bought into Bitcoin or everyone's done something else because the writing's on the wall. And so we've allowed these older generation people to live out their pensions, end up dying. Okay, we fixed the problem. The younger generations knew not to count on the pensions and other entitlements. And so they're not as pissed off about this collapse. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, we're just, this re- this week released 7% CPI, probably like 15, 20% reality in reality. Yeah. I'm really interested like how long it could take to collapse too, because I mean, I think someone in, let's say when they left the gold standard would have thought, oh yeah, okay, well we're leaving the gold standard. Nothing's going to keep, keep the money together. So we're probably collapsing 10 years. Meanwhile, we're- It might be 40 years too. 50 but years later. Yeah. Dude, I think we're going to see it in our lifetime. I think so too. It might be 40 years. It might be 40 years out there. Well, we can both agree that it's exponential. Like the trend is exponential. The problem is exponential because you're having to print more money that's proportional to the amount that you've printed in the past. So it's 7% now and it'll never be below 0%. And I think it's interesting because it's also unpredictable in a way because you also don't know where the money printer is going to be pointed as it goes down. And that could change the scenario in a bunch of ways. Who's going to be closest to the money printer as it's falling apart? Are you saying like, does it become essentially, well, it's already corrupted but does it become does it get to a point where it's okay almost to be like overly corrupt and obviously point the money printer into certain people's hands because they're like well this is collapsing the currency is going to collapse we're going to print the money it's all going to go to these people and they're going to I don't know sure we're going to dress it up in politics a little bit but it'll essentially be that I mean I think we have the beginning pieces of that already where it's you know everybody's looking for a spot at the money printer I'm I'm a veteran I'm you know whatever don't target the veterans dude Hey, chill. (laughs) Whatever, whatever your identity politics are, you say, okay, well, you know. I was just kidding. Feel free to target the veterans. Go on. That's (laughs) un-American. Everybody's wanting to be closest to the money printer. And I think in the dying days, it does matter. It kind of doesn't matter if you look long enough time frame, but I think it, it'll, it's more random as we're approaching the singularity event, as we approach this hyperbolic money printing. And it's one of those scenarios where whoever happens to be in the chair as it stops controls the power of the dying empire. So that's going to determine what the backlash and what, <laughs> what the chaos actually looks like, I think. What do you think the chances are of the Fed increasing the rates to like insane numbers like they did in the what was it the late 70s early 80s i think when they increased the rate to like 16 18 percent zero i don't think there's like i 
guess you'd have to put a percentage on it, like 5%. You think it's a real possibility? Yeah, I don't know what they're going to do. I think they're screwed either way. I mean, they've said they're going to taper. and they They're put out- screwed either way. They can't afford to, to make interest rates 18%, can they? Well, what does that mean? What is That means that now they're going to have to pay way more in interest, right? Right. And it would for sure mean a crash of the economy. Right. Prolonged crash. Which means the debt becomes more and more because the government's money comes from well, multiple places, but one being taxing the economy. Yeah, I don't know. I so think we're doomed. You're, you're saying either way we're printing money because we're printing it now because we're artificially keeping the interest rate low and we're buying our own bonds and flooding the market with cash. If we don't do that, then we're allowing bonds to rise to a high level and it's staying at a high interest rate where we our interest payments are now printing money. Right. So we're printing money either way. It's Keynesian economics. <laughs> British economics. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man, I uh, I hope it's not too too ugly as we uh, as we crash, but it is interesting that it just feels like in the collective unconscious there is this impending doom. <laughs> Or maybe it's just me. Maybe people have always felt this, but I don't I don't think so. I think that it's like been a slow burn towards like worse and worse and worse and worse. And also like people have different interpretations. Some people are like, oh, okay, well, everything's fine. And we, we've got a long runway left or we've got all these federal assets and federal land. And, you know, we're going to have economic booms from AI is another example people use a lot. And that's just saying a bunch of people have different frameworks. I've thought about it a lot. I've been thinking about inflation since like 2000. 2011 when I remember Ron Paul talking about it when he was running for president back then. Nice. And auditing the Fed and all this other stuff. And the only thing that makes all of these weird different observations from just normal life and just paying attention to the news and stuff like that, the only thing that makes them fit into place is basically the Bitcoin framework for viewing the situation. Like the world moving increasingly fiat, more and more fiat, more and more centralized. Them keeping the interest rate low artificially. Having having fiat growth. You're saying the fact that having Bitcoin as a baseline to measure everything against like pulls the veil even more of how fake the world is? Well, not only that, but also Bitcoiners in general have the same framework for viewing the situation. There is a problem here. Printing money is a problem. We are at the end of a long road of printing. There's nothing to constrain it. And so we're either destined for a crash because we've been artificially pulling forward resources from the future through debt. We're due for either a crash or printing. And both are possible, but we think that printing is likely. I guess the thesis that we are in a deeply unhealthy time. Yeah, but also exciting. Not to get too, you know, you don't want to get too pessimistic. Very exciting time. (laughs) (laughs) Exciting for a crypto anarchist, maybe. Absolutely. Right. (laughs) Well, I mean, I guess we should probably order some rice for the Citadel after all that Doomer talk. I've already got a ton of rice. (laughs) How about tuna? Canned tuna? Don't have that. Pistachios? No, I mean, you can order whatever you want, dude. It's a free world. Well, it's going to (laughs) be. (laughs) All right. Thanks for tuning in.